0: Hey everybody! I'm Dr. Randy Rourke, and this is the Uncharted Podcast, guys. I know I told you that Stephanie Goffs and I were taking a break, and we tried to take a break. We are just not very good at taking breaks. Uh, we are uh, we are vacation failures. Uh, that's that's all there is to it. But uh, we we broke our break because this is timely and it's super important and we really need to be talking about it and then we're going to try to break a little bit more and then we're going to really come back and and get back into regular new podcast episodes but this one is super duper important guys school is about to start back and if you're in vet medicine and you think that doesn't affect you i think you're mistaken Um, I am an optimistic guy. You know that. You know that I see the bright side. You know that I'm always uh, looking for blue skies. I uh, am very concerned that this is going to be a train wreck as people try to go back to school across the United States. At least the United States. Probably Canada as well. But um, I think that there's a lot of people doing virtual stuff and they don't know how it's going to work. And the teachers who have been on don't know how it's going to work. I think a lot of schools are going to try to go back and then it's going to be bad and uh, they may end up being virtual after they plan to be back. I, I I don't know, and I don't jump on here to freak people out. But um, what I want to do is a couple things. Number one, I want to validate the scenery. If you're freaking out, you're not alone. You should freak out like this. This is um, this is anxiety-inducing for sure because our employees and ourselves often rely on school and school programs so that we can uh, so that we can work. And we can do other things. And if the schools start and then bail, what does that mean for our employees? And as a result, what does that mean for our scheduling? And as a result, what does that mean for our patients? Those are all things we at least need to start talking about. That's what this episode is. Let's get into what we can do now um, and what we can do to get ready. But the big thing is we need to uh, do some accounting and figure out um, what we're up against and how many of our people might be affected and who might be affected and just start thinking about what is possible and not running down crazy rabbit holes because we don't know what's going to happen, but at least start to think about what our options might be and what levers we can pull. And that's what this episode is all about. If you are getting this podcast the day that it comes out, that is Wednesday, August 19th, uh, I'm doing public speaking class tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can uh, clicky, click, click on the link uh, down in the description real fast if you want to, and you better do it real fast. Because oh, We're going to close the doors before long, but I am doing a public sque- speaking talk, how to get people's attention, and keep it, and hold it, and get them to hear you. It's great if you run staff meetings. It's great if you do uh, you know, media stuff, social media stuff. It's great if you do educational programs for pet owners. That is all coming up tonight. It's $99 for the public. It is free for Uncharted members, and then the last thing I want to talk about before we get into this is the GSD Get Shit Done conference. It is virtual. It is October 7th through the 10th. Uh, Head over to unchartedvet.com and get signed up. It is going to be fan-flippantastic. You can ask anyone who went to our virtual June conference. Um, Our conferences, really, they are not like anything else. They are very interactive. You are not going to sit and just passively have someone talk at you through the screen. So anyway, check that out. I'd love to have you there. It is $2.99 for uh, Uncharted members, $3.99 for the public, and you'll get to see what Uncharted is all about and what it's like. Without further ado, let's get into this episode.
1: And now, the Uncharted Podcast.
0: And we are back. It's me and Stephanie, date with Disaster Goss. <laughs>
1: I am a date with disaster.
0: You you are a date with disaster. We have a date with disaster. I That's what we are
1: talking about today. I 100% own on that one. I love it. That's a good one. <laughs>
0: date with disaster. If I had a Tinder profile, that's what I would that's what, that, would be. that would be my my username. Date with disaster on Tinder. But I I don't I don't have a Tinder profile for obvious reasons. My wife would be uh unhappy. <laughs> With that, so what are we talking about? Why are we talking? How did we get here?
1: I can't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we went from talking about uh, talking about COVID to your Tinder profile. I don't know how we made that leap. We are going to talk about COVID.
0: <laughs> I if you find a Tinder profile for me, know that that is not true. There was um, there are people. I this is this is not a joke. This is hundred percent serious. There yeah. are people who go on to my social media page and take photos and then open up dating profiles with them. I am not kidding. I have been sent links to, yeah. um, uh, what plenty of fish. Do you I don't know you with that one? Yes. I think it's the first. <laughs> and, and someone's like, is this you? And I'm like, I assure you, I do not have a dating profile on plenty of fish. Although I am flattered that anyone would be like, you know, who gets dates, this guy, which I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, oh my god! I don't think that that's that's a good, a good, a good judge of your chances. Oh, uh, oh
1: my goodness. So yes,
0: if you do find uh, my pictures, it's uh, it's it's not me. They do, they don't use my name though. It's like a mall.
1: <laughs> it's
0: like. There's,
1: you just totally opened up a whole world of April Fool's possibility for people <laughs> like Jen Galvin who have Photoshop skills. <laughs> like, you realize like this, right?
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm super excited uh, in a very weird kind of way to talk yeah. about what we're going to talk about today. I
0: can't. I, super excited is not the words that I would use for this episode.
1: Well, so here's the thing. Okay, so... um Andy and I were talking about how things are going and uh, just checking in on, on where our lives are at in general. And both of us have kids who are in grade school and we were talking about um, the upcoming school year and the fact that kids are getting ready to go back to school. And I don't know about you guys, but um, both Andy and I are experiencing this in our own clinics and in our own lives, there is this overwhelming terror of the fact that school is about to go back and we are living in COVID times and what the hell does that mean to all of us? And so when I say I'm excited, I am absolutely dreading dealing with it, but I'm excited that we're talking about it because I think that it's something that is overwhelming so many of us right now. And so many of us are struggling with how do we even begin to deal with it? Where do we even start? And unfortunately, I think not enough clinics are even talking about it yet. I think there are more clinics that I've talked to who for one reason or another, the manager, the practice owner, both are kind of burying their head in the sand about the fact that school's about to start in the next couple of weeks. And so, um, or or the team is doing the same. And so I think it's time that we have the conversation because it's basically upon us. And I think we need to have the conversation before it's too late. And then it dramatically impacts our practices. Yeah. So I'm I'm not excited about the fact that this is happening, but I'm very excited that we're going to kick the door wide open and have this conversation because I think it's a really hard conversation to have, and like it needs to be
0: fast. And say if you're someone who's listening to this and you're like, I don't have kids, so I don't need to listen to this. You're wrong. Yeah. Uh, just I just want to say that because my first thought was, was well, this going to be like a parenting episode that only parents will care about? And he says, Oh no, I assure you, if all the parents in your practice suddenly disappear uh your life is going to be affected in a significant way and Absolutely. everybody in the practice is in this together so just just know that this is not a parent episode this is a surviving in practice episode right. all right let's let's start to unpack what the heck we're talking about and put the chips on the table all right here's the deal guys schools are starting back yep. elementary school middle school high school college Yep. Right. Most of us are probably not super affected by college. My wife's a college professor, so I think a lot about college. But elementary, middle, high schools, um, elementary school and middle school are the ones I think we're most affected by because those are kids that generally probably can't be home by themselves. Our high school kids, we mm-hmm. can kind of let them fend for themselves. They can be more feral um, <laughs> across the country. What is about to happen is radically different. Yep. OK, so let's be uh, upfront about that. We are all looking at different things. We all have different start times. Our school districts are all doing wild different things with a school starting back. Nobody's saying a whole lot about it because none of us know what's going to happen. Yep. I mean, really, I feel like we're standing on a precipice. I don't know what's going to happen. I just just don't know. And when no one has any idea what's going to happen, it is really hard to plan. Yep. I think that a lot of us have just decided that we will deal with it when it happens and we will cross that bridge when we come to it. I don't believe that that's the best idea. I know that this can be wildly overwhelming when you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen. So how do I plan for that? I think there are some basic things we need to be doing now just to get our feet planted and to get ready. So that when we have to improvise, we are not completely out of our depth. We have, we have a lot of tools ready. We've got some ideas. We, you know what I mean? This is not completely overwhelming shock to us. We've got some key pieces of information uh, yeah. in hand.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: So that's, that's what I think we need to talk to. I, and I will just tell you this. So I do not have a crystal ball. I, I do not know what's going to happen. I think that what's going to happen will probably be different depending on where you are. I think our Canadian listeners are in a very different place mm-hmm. than um than our US listeners, our New Zealand listener, uh because we have one it's one person <laughs> in New Zealand. They're they haven't had a case of COVID in a hundred days. They are essentially back to normal. So they can so you no, know they you can, did.
1: They had four new cases, and you know what happened? No. They, lock, they locked everything back down over four cases. I'm not kidding. No, Every, I, they, they knocked it, and, the, I mean, they are taking it hardcore serious, which is why they had 100 days without a new a new case. But they right. did have some new cases.
0: Okay, so then uh, we may triple our audience in New Zealand because <laughs> of the lockdown to three. Um, okay. We know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah. he, uh, let me just... I'm just going to say this. Um, I think it's going to be a shit show. And I hope that I am wrong. And I hope that you're like, remember when Andy said that he thought the school year is going to be a shit show? And it was the most smooth <laughs> transition back to normalcy in the history. of the, Remember that? That guy was such an idiot. I hope that happens. But if I had to put money on this, it's going to be a shit show. Uh-huh. And we better go ahead and get ready. And that—that's—I I think that that's what we need to do right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think here's here's the way that I look at it is that there are some of us, and I 100% put both feet squarely in this camp, whose local districts uh or schools are 100% a shit show, and we are owning that. And then I think that there are people who are in districts who are like, here's our plan, rolled it out, gave the parents information, things seem organized and things seem seem smooth. And there is potential to think that maybe this won't be such a shit show. The reality is we're dealing with an unpredictable um, environment and an unpredictable virus. And so even if things have gone smoothly to this point, we have no idea what's going to happen when you dump all the kids back in the same building. So um, that, that takes away the element of control that those school districts have worked really hard to, um, to build to this point. And so the reality is none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow.
0: Right. And so we don't have the answer for the worst scenario. Right. That's what I think you're exactly right. So, so none of us know. All right. Let's hope for the best and prepare for the worst. What the hope for the best is that schools hold up, and kids end up in the coming months going back to five days a week. And we end up back at some sort of sense of normalcy. That's the best. And uh, then our practices will roll long as they have in the past. And that is unrealistic, optimistic, I think. But but that's the best. Yep. The worst case is this. And honestly, guys, I got to tell you, I'm definitely leaning more towards this. I had uh, I had lunch with one of my buddies, it was a socially distant lunch. We had outdoor uh, outdoor lunch together, uh, masks, sitting, uh, you know, on opposite sides of a table, a big table, and <laughs> we did all the responsible things. We had lunch together, and uh, I always enjoyed this guy. And I said, "What's going to happen?" And we talked about the Greenville County schools uh, are going back, and they're going to start in two weeks, and they are going to start back at one day a week. Which I thought was an interesting choice. So, but, but I mean, I, I, I get it. It's one day a week. So they're going to start back at one day a week. And I said, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, I think we're going to go one day a week for two months, and it's going to be a disaster. And then they're going to cancel school uh, and send everybody home again. And they're going to say. We tried it. We tried it for two months, and it didn't work. And his position was he didn't think that they could just straight up cancel school. He thinks that they have to try for two months and fail, and so that they can say, "Well, we tried," and mm-hmm. and and uh, and then send people home. So that's what that's what he thinks. I think he he might be right. I, and again, I'm not trying to say these things to stress people out, but I think that that is the worst case scenario plan that I am going to start using. And again, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Yeah. And so, my question to you is: What happens if kids go back to school one day a week for six weeks, and then there are um, outbreaks and there are quarantines, and then the school the school districts just say we we can't do this. We're going back to e learning like we did in um, in the in the in the spring.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, all right. Let's go ahead and start to put some pieces on the table here for mm-hmm. action steps. Cause I did not get on here to like wring my hands and say, Oh guys, this is so bad. I hope, again. You know, I hope it's not bad. You know, me, you know, that yep. I am a super optimistic person. I am not here to- with doom and gloom stuff. That's not the stock that I deal in. Uh, that's not my stock and trade. Um, <clears throat> but I do deal in planning and let me throw some classic cliches at you. If you fail to plan, Uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And, um, the other one that, that pops up a lot when we start talking about this is people go, well, I shouldn't have to deal with this because of blank, or this wouldn't be a problem if people did blank and things like that. And I trust me, I get that. I get those ideas. I get those, those emotions. I totally get it. But that also falls into my category of you can be righteous or effective. Choose one. I think that we can be very righteous and say we shouldn't have to deal with this, um, or we can actually be effective and say this is the reality, the situation. Let's start to figure out what we're going to do.
1: Well, and i I think I'll throw one more one more cliched uh, management quote in there, which is, um, you know, deals with the the idea that it doesn't affect me. It's not my, it's not my problem. The reality is, is that this will impact all of us and it is all of our problems. And mm-hmm. it, it is, um, it is a very personal thing for those of us who do have kids. Um, and it is one of those things that is hard to talk about. And so you, as, especially I'm talking to my practice owners and practice managers, how we deal with this sets the stage in the long run
0: mm-hmm. for
1: whether people want to work for us or not.
0: This, yeah, is, a this good point. is
1: our opportunity to shine and say, we are all human. Everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. And so you have the opportunity to say to your people, I see you, I hear you, I want to help you. Or you have the opportunity to be a door slam shut in their face mm-hmm. and which choice you make will 100% echo into the future of your practice, whether you realize it or not.
0: Because
1: um, this is a time where people are being asked to choose between their children and their job. And you have the opportunity to make that choice be one that is something that they can live with and you can live with. Or you have the choice to make that an easy choice for them to say, I choose my kids hands down. Right, And so I think that that is something when we're talking about bias, if you think that this doesn't impact you because you don't have kids or you, or you want to say, look, I don't have kids. They have kids. It's their responsibility to figure it out. You're going about this ass backwards and it is going to bite you a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, I do. I do agree with that. Uh, This is a, as you said, a a pretty, a pretty emotional uh, issue. I think, for, for for most of us. So, yeah. That, I think that's true. Okay. Um, the things to know. This is emotional. Um, there will be repercussions. Um, this is a value statement. Um, saying to somebody, you need to figure it out. Um, you and I were, were talking earlier about sort of those, uh, just off, off offline, we were talking about sort of those flippant comments that you can sort of make sometimes and just go, oh, well, you need to figure it out. And, um, but the person receiving that comment to you, it was, very nothing, it was very little just to throw it out. But to them, it's a significant um, barrier, obstacle statement. I just think people need to be real careful here about, about throwing those lines out about, you know, figure it out, make it work, uh, thing, things like that, because people are stressed and they really are taking this seriously. And a lot of self identity is tied up in this. Am mm. I a mother? Am I a doctor? am I a father? Am I a manager? You know, um, what, what is it? What are my priorities? And, um, it's hard. And, uh, I think a lot of people are really working, uh, working through it. And I think that that's also why a lot of people put their heads in the sand is because it's so emotional. And they say, um, I don't want to go talk to my boss about this because I'm going to cry. And they say, I don't want to talk to my employees about this because they're going to cry. <laughs> and it, um, it's tough. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I should, we should have started the episode with the disclaimer that Stephanie was 100% going to cry at some point during the episode. Um, because
0: <laughs> okay, I'm having the experience right now. that I'm explaining of I'm talking to my employee and she's uh she's gonna cry
1: um no I I I am crying um because I because I understand that so I'm gonna this episode's probably gonna be a little raw and a little personal and I'm just gonna say like I hear you guys and I see you and I own that this this was me and not so much in the case of my employment relationship with with Andy and may work with uncharted, but I'm also in the clinic full time. And for the last however many months in now since March, um, I have been fighting the battle and I know my manager friends who have kids have been fighting the same battle because I hear it all day, every day in all of the groups that I'm in, which is this overwhelming fight between feeling like we are failing our work we are failing our children because we are trying to be all things to all people and the reality is, we have come to the place where it is time for us to have a, a, a come to the light conversation. Because the reality is, it can't be all pe- all things yeah. to all people. Something has to give. And for most of us, we have been working in this constant um, state of anxiety, feeling like we're failing one or the other for a sustained period of time now, and we cannot um, keep going because something is going to break. And so for those of you guys who are like me, who I, you know, school got out in March with no notice and I live somewhere where I don't have family and I had no backup plan. And so I drug my kids with me to the clinic because I had no other choice. I either was there for my team. And the only way to make that happen was to put my kids somewhat in the line of fire and also impact my team by bringing my kids into the building. But it was the choice. It was the only choice that I felt like I had. Um, But I got shamed and there was judgment in some of the manager groups for, oh, my God, I can't believe you're bringing your kids into the clinic. Like, why would you expose them? Why would you expose your team? Look, we are all human and we are all Mm -hmm. doing our best in a very shitty situation to make choices out of multiple crappy options. So making your employees feel guilty, making your team feel like they can't feel safe to talk about it with you, um, judging each other as parents or as humans is going to just hurt everybody here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is, um, you know, this is, this is raw and it's hard. And like, I, I, I was like, I have to, at some point, I have to say something because I have been staring down a fact for several weeks now, um, which is that I can't be all things to all people. And I can't be in the clinic. 40 hours a week with no childcare option right. and not have to have that impact my team, my job performance realistically both. And so I was like, I have to talk to my boss about this because I don't know what the plan is going to be for fall. My school district is one of those districts that doesn't actually have a plan yet. The parents know nothing school starts in three weeks. And so, and I, and to top it all off, I have a new boss at the clinic. And so I last week had to sit down and have this conversation, which is what brought this podcast to the forefront, because in doing so, I was talking to a lot of other managers and hearing how many of them hadn't started to, they know their team members have kids, they know kids are going back to school in the next three weeks, but they hadn't actually started to have the conversations about what impact is this going to have? Are they, are you going to have to change your schedule? Are there things that you need? Um, none of those conversations were taking place. And I was honestly, you guys really, really shocked because like life is about to change radically for all of us in the next couple of weeks. We can't avoid it until we cross the bridge. It, it's going to blow up in all of our faces.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I think that that's, I think that that's the most important part of this whole podcast is I, I don't think that you and I are coming with uh great answers that are like, oh, here's going to fix the problem. I think you and I are both struggling uh, to figure out what the hell we're doing, okay. and um, and I, I think that it's more important for us to have this conversation and talk through sort of our thought processes and what we're trying to do than it is to be silent until we have it figured out. We see what's going to happen uh, because I just think that going into this silently is the worst plan. And I, 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 don't think anyone else is saying anything because I don't think they know what to do. Um, I, I think, I think having the conversation and not knowing exactly what the answer is, is uh, much healthier and a much better play than waiting until we can see what's going to happen. Because as we know from COVID earlier, waiting until we know what's going to happen often means that we are into a, up to our necks before we can really get our head around what's happening
1: for sure and the reality is is that this is very much a whole clinic conversation because yes. as much as we as much as none of us want this to be the case the reality is that changes to the schedules of parents on our teams are going to affect the non-parents on our teams even if the effect is slight there is still going to be some impact because whether you have one team member in who, who is affected deeply here because they have school age kids or you have 10 out of your 20 team members who have kids in school and now half your team is impacted. It is going to affect those who don't have kids just as much in different ways. Right. And so I think this is very much a whole clinic conversation. And it's one that is that for me, no matter who you're talking to, whether you're talking to your boss, or you're talking to your team. For me, it starts with, I don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen and being honest and vulnerable and, and starting there because we don't have the answers. We don't know what's going to happen. We could have a plan today and it could be turned upside down in two days. There, what, what this whole thing has taught us is that none of us have control over things that we would like to think we have control over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's about, um, looking from a headspace perspective before you start having these conversations, you have to make sure that you're in a place to have the safe conversations, but there's going to be some hard conversations. And I think if everybody comes back to, I don't have all the answers, I don't know what's going to happen. I want to try and be a part of the solution. The conversation is going to be so much more effective than avoiding having the conversation
0: yeah i i I completely agree. So let's start to unpack this let's uh let's start with headspace and let's start with uh the outcome that we're looking for, okay, and I, I think this is really, really important. The outcome is not a bulletproof plan. And I think if you go into it and say, we're going to figure this out, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment and for yep. more stress and more frustration, yep. right? The outcome that we are looking for at this point is to establish clear lines of communication mm-hmm. so that when things start to happen, we are set up to transmit and receive information quickly and in an open spirit, right? Right. Um, and and, and and in a good, healthy mindset. yeah, and and I think that that really, above all else, is the goal for right now is to establish with our boss, establish with our team. I don't know what's gonna happen. The kids are going back to school on this date. So mm-hmm. this is the time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Um I want to work here, I want to be here this is my obligation. This is what I have going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I am 90% concerned. I am 10% concerned. You know what I mean? I have this support structure, you know, whatever is just to be open with everybody about what we have in place and what we don't have in place Mm -hmm. and what the timeline is and what our intentions are. I want to be here, Mm -hmm. but I do have this commitment to my family, my spouse, works full time and her job is not going to allow her to get off to do whatever. And so I am going to be one who's going to be in charge of childcare. I need you to know that. And I need you to hear that. And Mm -hmm. if this goes south, I am going to have to step back. Mm -hmm. Right. And I hope that doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. but I want you to hear it now as opposed to the morning I'm supposed to come in and I call you and say, I have to be home today, you Mm -hmm. know, I want you to at least conceptualize this might happen. Mm-hmm. And then that way you can think about what that means and what your contingency plans are going to be. Because I think the, the 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 scary thing is for me to say, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna wait and hopefully hopefully this won't happen. Hopefully, I'm not gonna end up having <laughs> to stay home with my kids. Right. but then it will happen and everything is on this super compressed timeline and i'm giving my boss new information where she goes oh crap rourke's not coming today and i have zero contingency plans and right. i had this thought had not crossed my mind i think we want i think our objective is to move past that and yep. that's what i'm trying to get at when i say yep. clear communication let's just sh- let's play an open hand and let people see see where our cards are and what's going to happen and, and and where we might go everybody needs to be mature about this too and See it as conflicting interests and people doing their best to balance a lot of priorities, right? And very important priorities. If someone says to you, I can't come in if this happens, it's not them dumping you. You know what I mean? It's not Mm -hmm. them um, saying that that they don't care about their job. And so I think those ideas and those thoughts need need to go away. It's just them being clear And the the way I I rationalize this and conceptualize it for myself is what is kind, right? That's always, that's always important for me. What is kind Mm -hmm. is the kind thing to protect your boss or your employees from stress right now, because this might not happen. Mm -hmm. Or is the kind thing for you to stimulate some stress right now before things are real and have some uncomfortable conversations or some difficult conversations that force people to really think about what is going to happen. Right. So that if it happens, you have a game plan. I think the second one is more kind. Yep.
1: I, I would agree. And I think the reason, the reason for, for a lot of us, um, that we have avoided bringing up the subject for those of us who have, um, a lot of why we have avoided bringing up the subject is because we don't want to stress them out. Mm-hmm. Part of it is also we don't want to see be perceived as um, the one to drag the team down or to be the um you know the unknown factor or seem like we don't have our shit together and for a lot of us, like Me personally, that's the place where I've been living. I feel like I have my do not have my shit together in any way, shape, or form. And I don't want my team to be like, okay, well, how can she lead us if she has no idea what is happening? Like there is very real fear tied up in acknowledging that you don't have all the answers in this kind of situation because the inherent nature of being a parent and being an employee is that you not become a burden on your employer and that they, you know, when you get asked that question, you know, do you have anything that could prohibit you from working the, the shifts that we have available? And your answer is, is no. We all know in the back of our head that we're lying to a degree when we answer that question no because the reality is we can't control whether our kid gets sick or right. our babysitter gets sick, or gets in a car accident and can't come to work. We there are so many things outside of your control as a parent, and and for me, it was very scary to think about. Like, do I acknowledge this and admit, admit this, whether it's to my team or to my boss, and say, I I have no idea. I have no. Yeah. Jesus, take the wheel because I have no idea what's about to happen in the next few weeks. Like, I, I really don't. And so that's a, that's a really scary place to be. And so I think it starts from acknowledging that and acknowledging as a person in terms of being kind, it's about being kind to your team, but it's also about being kind to yourself because you have to accept the fact that you cannot be all things to all people and you have some very real personal and work boundaries that you're about to have to get a hundred percent honest about. Mm-hmm. And I'm the worst about that. I am the worst. Andy will acknowledge this as my boss. I am the worst about thinking that I can do all of the things. And oh, I, yeah. will, I will,
0: you are the worst.
1: I will 100% say, sure. I can add, I can add four more hours of work to the, to the 24 hours that I've already planned in the day. Like yeah. it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and so and that, that's that's scary to say, I, I I have some boundaries that I'm gonna have to put up. And, um, and so this is a really big opportunity as an employee, but also as an employer. If you have an EAP for your team, this is the time to use it. So as an employee, if you've never used your EAP, um I talk to my team about it as the boss all the time. Hey, we have it. It's this benefit. ive I've, I've never used it. You bet your ass I picked up the phone this week and called and said, hey, this is the situation. What resources are available to me? We don't know what an EAP is. It's an employer assistant program, um, and it's a program designed to offer support to your team, whether it's counseling. They offer also offer um, good legal resources, childcare resources, community resources um, to kind of point your employees in the right direction when they need help. Um, and so this is a great opportunity for you to Use some brains that are, that are outside of the personal narrow view that you currently have of your situation and think outside the box to get ideas for how you're about to try and problem solve what you're about to problem solve.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. So I want to unpack some of this stuff too, okay? Um, all right. Vulnerability. You, you, put that, you put that first. I think this is the time for Vulnerability. And if you can't be vulnerable, then then you can't have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And just know going into this conversation that vulnerability is a core value for Uncharted. Um, and uh, I think for me and Stephanie personally, we both have a ver- vulnerability sort of one of our core values is things that we believe in, things that we think are important. We started this episode out by saying I have no idea what's going to happen. I I just I do not know. My crystal ball doesn't doesn't work. I think that's the level of vulnerability that we have with our team. I I think, I think if you think. That your team thinks you have the answers right now, you're you're delusional. Uh, <laughs> you are a narcissist if you think that like, oh, they surely believe that I have everything figured out. No, they don't. Uh, they don't. They don't believe that. So, being vulnerable saying, like, guys, I don't know what's going to happen when school starts in three weeks. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen, and um, I know that you don't know what's going to happen. And we have uh, families here and our team is important and we want to be supportive. And at the same time, we want to continue to follow our mission. We want to take great care of our pets uh, and our pac- our patients and our uh, clients. And we want to try to make everything work. And um, I don't know how it's going to happen. And I don't know what we're going to be up against. What I want to have now is just a conversation about what we're looking at, what we're facing, um, and where people's heads are. And I think that that is the type of conversation to have It's not committing to anything. It's not telling er- er- people that everything's going to be great and we're going to figure this out. It's just saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but, but I want to be up, up front with you guys about what we can do. And, um, and I, I need to hear from you about where your heads are and what you guys are up against. And that's really, I guess where I'm trying to come from, from vulnerability is, um, Let's gather information. When I go to the boss and talk to them, I am being vulnerable, right? Uh, and, and I think you you hit right on it. I don't want to be a burden. And I think that this is a big deal for a lot of us. Um, you know, I, I can tell you, I, I can think back to a couple of times recently, it sort of stood out in my mind where I needed help. And um, I had these thoughts of, I'm not someone who gets help. I'm someone right. who gives help. Right? Yeah. It was like I you know, I uh the story I tell is generally about this bad ankle sprain with uh with my daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? The and roller skating I had incident. <laughs> I know, the roller skating incident. And I did not just I at some deep level I was just embarrassed to have people hold the door for me, uh, as I have my crutches and my boot. And I thought, why in the heck do I feel this way? And it's that whole thing of I don't get help. I give help. That's yep. that's who I am, yeah. you know? Um, I, I think that people should recognize that that is a thing. That's how a lot of us feel as doctors and technicians and caregivers. Um, we have to make peace with that and say, I'm going to need help. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to be in the clinic and I'm going to be at home taking care of my parents, I'm going to need help. And I cannot be all things to all people. And I cannot be uh, in two places at once. Yep. And some of us are going to have to sit with that for a while. And I think it may be good to go ahead and start sitting with it now because in three to five weeks or six weeks or whatever, um, we, we may have to have that conversation and that's where the tears come from. Yep. I, I, Yep. I think it is. I think it's people saying, I, I have tried so hard. I have tried so hard and no amount of trying is going to make this impossible task happen. And I feel like a failure, and, yeah. and and I think that that's the emotions. I think we've all been there. Yeah. But um. But I just want to say that to you guys listening is, uh, I see you, and I have been there, and mm-hmm. I have you know I've had those those exact those exact thoughts. The other thing is to say, um, at some point, we have to put our priorities on the table, and that doesn't mean, um, screw you vet clinic. Um, hanging out with my kids, you know what I mean? Or screw you kids, I'm hanging out with my vet clinic. For most of us, it's somewhere in the middle. Right. It's, you know, it's not a choose kids or vet clinic. It is, but it is, how do I balance kids in vet clinic and where do I spend my time? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I think we need to have those thoughts. If you don't have childcare, or you don't know what you're going to do for childcare, Telling your boss, hey, just so you know, I, you know, I don't know what I'll do for childcare or what, you know, I'm, we're trying to do our best, but just so you know, this might become a scheduling issue if the schools start doing crazy things. Right. I, 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 if I can't imagine someone being penalized for that, if they are penalized for that, then that employer is, uh, is, is uh, waiting a for a. crap. Us. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Waiting for a lawsuit, uh, legally and a piece of crap morally, uh, like just, right. just for saying that, like, no, that, that should, that should not happen. Yeah. But, um, I, I think it's an emotional experience for a lot of us.
1: Well, and so I think, so I think, you know, you and I both feel this on the employee side because we're both employees who mm-hmm. have children, um, in terms of dealing with it, um, In the clinic, and then I think the flip side of it too um, that we have to look at is from the employer perspective, um, which you just kind of started to talk about a little bit. And so I think something that's super important um, is to for an as an employer um, is just to start with recognizing that this is not personal. Like this is not a personal attack. Your team is not trying to make their lives difficult to make your life more difficult, right. you are dealing with a population of people who literally do not have a choice. Yep. The, the state, the local government, the school itself, um, all of those, there are there are other factors at play here that are making choices for your team members who are parents and they don't get a say in that. And so um, if you, you have... I really truly believe that this is an opportunity for us to shine as employers and it starts with recognizing that this is not personal and you have an opportunity to be human and give grace to the other humans that you are working with because I think if we can start there and then as employers, if we can zoom out and look at this with a big picture, long-term perspective view we know that there are huge huge costs associated with losing employees especially yep. long-term employees and the way with which we approach this absolutely impacts whether we're going to keep or lose employees in in particular long-term employees because there is going to be a far greater cost associated with losing our team members because we're not willing to be flexible and create a new normal. um, Then there is making, assuming the cost of making accommodations that don't seem easy. And the reality is none of this is going to be easy. So I think we have to zoom out a little bit and think about this from the big, big picture perspective is it worth it to try and create a new normal that allows our teams to have flexibility and be human beings? Or are we going to accept the fate that if we don't make that choice, we are going to constantly burn through team members.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Let's split this at this point. Let's split this into conversations for employees and conversations for employers. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, employees, if you are a parent and you're saying, I don't know what's going to happen, right? My kids are going to school. Uh, I don't know what I'm up against. Um, I think being vulnerable is um, is beneficial. Um, I think that we are going to have to address those personal feelings of being invincible and being all things to all people. And mm-hmm. we have to reject that idea that I'm a burden. I'm letting the team down because I have this constraint or this responsibility to my offspring that I brought into the world. Um, I, I, I think it seems crazy that we have to say that, but we do. And I'm, I, I I felt that, I I mean, I, I know that we, we've all, we've all felt that. So I I think mentally, that's where we have to sort of get our, our heads and to say, this doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me uncommitted. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm just going to be open about the fact to say, this is the thing that I am concerned about. And I am going to do my best to, um, to make it work and to continue to be here. But I, I have only got 24 hours in a day, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think, I think being honest with ourselves about that, I think it's a hard pill to swallow, but I think the sooner we swallow it, the better off we are. It's like, be kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself and realize that you're a human being and you can't do it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you, um, you need to, to have these thoughts of if schools shut down, what am I going to do? Or if they right. cancel at the last moment, or if my kid gets quarantined, right, what am I going to do? And right. I don't think you have to have a hundred percent a rock solid answer. Cause honestly, yeah. and here's another thing to make people feel a little bit better. When these things happen, opportunities often open up. You know what I mean? Right. And we and we saw that last year, school shut down and then there were little pods that mm-hmm. got together and said, "Let's get our let's get our five kids together and we'll make something work just us." And those those opportunities don't come up now before things have gone wrong. And so there right. are opportunities that arise at the time, but the more that we can figure out now and the more we can think about it, I think the, the better off we are. Yeah. Right. Well,
1: and I think a big part of that is is that as an employee you you have to be the one to make the call. You have to be the one to make the decision. You have to be the one to figure out what the boundaries are. And you're right. working with incomplete information, but at the end of the day, if your plan is to wait for your employer to force your hand, that's a bad plan. Like yeah. this is the t- this is the time to get real and be honest and say I don't know, but these are things that I've thought of and invite them into the conversation because at the end of the day, they can't make the choice for you, but you absolutely have to acknowledge that not making a choice at some point is going to be making a choice. Yeah. And, and <laughs> so if we just sit back and, and say, I, and that, that was, you guys, I say that with love. Um, but that was me. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to bury my head. I'm going to ignore it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Everything's on fire. Eventually things will be fine. The reality is we're three weeks out from school starting and things are not fine. And I have to make a choice and I don't yet know what that choice is going to be. And I don't know how it's going to shake out, but it started with being vulnerable and daring to be brave enough to say to my boss, this is my current reality. I just need you to know that this is my current reality and i have no idea what's going to come next but i want you to be a part of the conversation
0: right. exactly right well here here's the point right here's the point of all of this until you talk with your boss you don't know what your options are right you know you're and, yep. and you're sort of talking like i i haven't decided yep. until you include your boss you don't know what you're deciding between right like the options are not Absolutely. i continue my life as i as i have been or i quit the practice And, and full-time, you stay home with my kids. Like I God, I hope that there are middle paths. I'm sure there are. What are they? How do we do this? How do we do, you know, if these things happen, how do we transition so that Stephanie works from home, you know, when her kids are stuck at home or, you know, or works from home two days a week um, and at the practice one day a week and her spouse is home, you know, one day, like, like, all of those things are much more realistic than I'm here at the clinic 100%. I'm gone 100%. Like yeah. but you yeah. don't have any ability to 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 make a choice until you talk to your boss and say, "What's possible?" Right. "What could we possibly do? Let's start thinking about that." And that's the whole point of where we are now is not for people to have terrible anxiety, exact. It's for people to start saying, "Okay, if this happens, with stephanie what are our options what are our fallbacks that are not her quitting her job and going right. home because you quitting and leaving is the worst outcome right but you if you don't have the conversation with the boss and say hey this is where my head's at this is what i'm thinking about can we start to talk about what that might look like if we have to make these movement these these changes then you set yourself up for all hell is breaking loose and the staff is staying home with their kids and management is trying to figure it out. And honestly, if I'm the owner, I want to talk to you and see what's possible because I don't know what's possible for you, which means if I make the decision of here's the plan, there's a very good chance it's not going to work for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think this just important for everybody to get out of this is the contingency plan cannot be made by one side. Yep. The owners cannot say, Here is what our staff with children are going to do because they don't know what you can do. And you can't say, here's what I'm going to do because you don't know what management can accommodate or what they're willing to accommodate. Like it's got to be an open collaborative discussion. And so I think that's why it is worth being vulnerable and worth putting these things out so that we can start to collaborate and and put those things forward. And so that's what I would say uh, to employees like that. That's what I think is is important now. Um, it's just about it's about trying to get a collaborative dialogue going just in case, Yeah. as opposed to not saying anything and hoping everything is fine and then dealing with catastrophe. It happens. Right. Or. Uh, catastrophizing and being like you know what this is never gonna work I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give my notice and I'm just gonna quit because you know whatever I'm sure they won't work with me uh, neither of those approaches is, is makes a lot of sense so so the collaboration is what we're going for so that, that's my stuff from so the employees remember the employee assistance programs see what resources are there what support is there um, how they can help and then just start that dialogue of hey this is where my head's at just so you know, this is kind of what I'm looking at, nope. um, and 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 don't get sucked up in the idea of um, of this is going to be the policy for all the parents. the The truth is, some of us have spouses that are very flexible in their jobs, mm-hmm. and so it might not be that big a deal for mm-hmm. me if my kids have to stay home because maybe my spouse can, can stay home. Uh, Mm -hmm. Other, other of us are single parents and we don't have any support yeah, like that. And then everyone is somewhere and there's a million people somewhere in between. So, so anyway, we just we just have to talk about these things. Right. So that's, that's it for the employers. I want to, I want to kind of make, um, I want to try to make this clear as kind of what we're looking at. Right. Um, the mission of the practice does not go away and we need to run a business and we need to take care of our clients. Um, and we need to run a profitable business, right? Okay. Um, I don't know, Steph, is this a common thing that's happened? Um, have you ever seen, um, the will of the clinic go up against the will of the spouse for an employee? Have you ever seen something where the spouse is like, no, you're not going to do this thing. And the clinic is like, Oh, we need you to do this thing.
1: Oh, um, yes.
0: Yeah. I how mean, does it, yeah. how does it go?
1: Well, it usually ends badly no matter yep.
0: how it, how it, how it ends. Yeah. Right? No matter how it ends, it ends badly.
1: Yes. Yes. But I know, I know I have felt that. And I, so for, I have felt it as a manager. I know my veterinarian friends, kids or not who are married, have felt this. Like when, A really easy example is, you know, when you've told your spouse or your partner, um, that you're going to be home at six for dinner Mm -hmm. and the, you know, sick patient shows up at the clinic at two minutes to five. And you're like, I know this is going to take longer than an hour. I told my partner I'd be home at six. Which of these two choices I'm going to make, it's going to end badly because either you're going to feel, you're going to send the patient to the ER and we all have lived with this guilt of feeling like I could have stayed and done this thing, but I left because I made a commitment to my partner, or you're going to blow off your partner to take care of the patient. And then you're going to deal with the repercussions at home. Like that's a really common guilt factor that a lot of us, that a lot of us have dealt with in, in our, all of us, I think at some point in time have dealt with that. It's the nature of the unpredictability of veterinary medicine. So I think everybody can relate to that guilt factor of the needs of the clinic
0: versus the needs of home. Right. Pretty much every time that the spouse, and regardless of gender, but the spouse at home has put their foot down and said, I am not okay with my spouse Mm -hmm. doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, the clinic has lost every time. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of been my, my, um, my experience with these things The the, Hey, I'll be home for, for whatever. Um, you know, that's maybe, maybe a little bit different, but, um, for the most part, for almost all of us, when family comes into direct conflict with, uh, our work, our work generally loses right? Like the, yeah. the family generally takes precedent. And, um, and I put that forward and say, if vet clinics set themselves up so that they say, no, we need you to be here. Mm-hmm. And the family says, no, mom, mm-hmm. we need you to be here because yeah. the kids are out of school. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I don't think, I don't think the vet clinic wins. Uh, and, and rightfully so, yeah. you know? so. I think that clinic loses. So I go back to what you said of, um, you know, here's the chance for the vet clinic to be a shining example of an employer. For me, this is a super easy, um, uh, exercise here, are your choices. You can be, you can be proactive and you Mm -hmm. can work with your people and try to be flexible and really try your best to, to, to accommodate and you can be a shining example of a wonderful place that that uh, to work for, or you can not, and you can end up fighting and losing, and then they're not going to be there anyway. Either way, you're going to come out as the lower priority between family. Uh, when it comes to family and work, you're going to be the lower priority. You can yeah. be graceful about it and accommodating about it, and set it up to get the most out of your people that you can, or you can be not graceful about it and look horrible and burn bridges and, and, and have them still not be there the way that you want. Yeah. What mm-hmm. would you choose to do?
1: I think that's a super, a super great point for sure. And I think, I think that's, it's that, fear factor of having to make that choice between work and home that has kept a lot of us from deciding what we're doing moving forward or having this conversation. Because I think a lot of us feel the guilt of knowing we love our families and we're gonna like, I love my children. I am Mm -hmm. always at the end of the day going to make the choice where I in the long run, they come out on top. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I have to make short-term choices where they don't win and the clinic wins and it always is a crappy feeling when you miss dinner or you're late to a baseball game because you had a patient or whatever. Like, There's a lot of guilt wrapped up in that, which is a whole other episode. But I think at the end of the day, all, all of us, myself included, have probably avoided having the conversation because at the end of the day, I know that... If I have to put my kids first, the clinic is going to lose. And there's also guilt wrapped up in that because we care about our teams. We care about our patients. We don't, we don't want to suffer. And so most of us continue to sit square in the middle where we feel like we're going to try and be all things to all people and do business at the crazy, crazy rate that we've been doing it. And you know, we're, it's balls to the wall. Everybody, all hands on deck. Everybody is overwhelmed and drowning in patient caseload right now. And all of us, myself included, feel Super, super guilty, making a choice that may impact the clinic right now.
0: Right, I I completely agree. I think um, I think it's important as we talk about these things to um, just just to be upfront. Um, it I don't think that employees are out there going, you know what? I'm going to use this as an opportunity to not do any work or to get out of work. And I don't think that employers are like, we don't care about you. There is no give here. There is no bend. Um, I I don't think either of those things are true. I think the conversation to have is what is possible so that I can continue to work if and when my kids um, don't have school or they are... Uh, not able to go to school on short notice. What does that look like? You know, like what is is our plan? And it doesn't have to be a long-term plan. It just has to be a, what is our plan while we look at the actual situation when it happens and figure out what to do? Because the truth is we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what it's going to look like. We need to have some idea of changes that we could make quickly that everybody would be okay with. Until we can figure out a better plan based on what we're really looking at.
1: So if you are like, if you're a listener and you are like me and you have been dreading dealing with this all summer long and school now starts in three weeks and you're sitting here and you don't actually have a plan because your school hasn't told you what the plan is going to be for the fall. How do we tackle this situation? Where do we, where do we start to try and create a plan?
0: Um, so let's see, re- uh, re- resources, right? Your, yeah. uh, employee assistance program, we can start to talk to other parent groups, you know, we can sort of yeah. say, Hey, what are you guys doing, uh, as resources, what resources are available as the school year starts and working parents are, uh, are going back. Let me be clear about this too. This is not a vet medicine problem. No. This is an America problem, yeah. North America problem, a yeah. global problem. There is nothing about vet medicine that is specific to this. In every industry, parents are trying to go back to work and their kids are going to schools and no one knows what's going to happen. So, the idea that this is only a vet problem is uh is ridiculous. Yeah. So, look widely, look for resources, look for support, what you know what is available in your area. So, keep your eyes open. That's so the first I-
1: And I think the precursor step, I I think I agree with you 100%. It has to start with getting resources and knowing what your resources are. And I think in terms of tackling it and talking about it with our employers, but also starting to talk about it with our teams, it starts by doing a check-in and asking where each person is at. Do they, do they have, what do they know? What do they know about their school so far? Because it is so individual and so different at every different district level um that you can't possibly as an employee or employer it doesn't matter you have to start with what do you know and now what do you what do you need to make a decision where's the where's the gap you are going to have some employees that are like i already know this here's my plan it involves x y and z and who can give you all of the information you may have other employees even within the same practice because kids live in different districts even within the same practice you may have other employees who are like I don't know anything. This is what I'm waiting on. This is these are the gaps. Knowing where you're starting from is going to help you um, help yourself and also help your team narrow down what resources you need to be able to make that plan. So whether it's things like needing to know about daycare options or needing to know about um, you know whether your kids are going to be on campus one day or five days or not no days at all. Um, being able to be honest about not having a plan, or where you're at in your plan making process, I think is the is the first step. And then I think you're totally right, then you have to look at it from a resource perspective, and leveraging the resources that we've already talked about. The other thing that I have seen wonderfully happen, and it's been beautiful to come out of COVID is everybody starting to look at this from a collective perspective and looking at it from how do we help each other create a plan. So I have seen in, in vet med groups and just life groups um, within social media alike, I have seen this wonderful, it takes a village mentality coming out, which is people looking and saying, can we form pods? Can we share, can we share days that off where we take care of each other's kids? Can we share uh, nannies, can we share homeschool information with each other? All of the, this is where we have to harness our collective power. Mm
0: -hmm. And so for
1: me as an employer, it starts with doing a census and a pulse check with my team and asking questions like, do we have kids that are in the same school districts? Are there other local clinics in our local clinic network that have kids in the same school districts as our kids? Can we band together outside of our own four walls, but still within our vet med community? You know, the, um, the corporate group that I work for, we have, um, four practices within a, you know, 25 minute drive either way, um, with kids in similar districts. Um, and I might not have anybody else, in my own practice that's in the same district, but at the other clinics we might. So can we band together and look at those kind of things so that we're harnessing more brain power than just one person right. at a time.
0: Yeah, I agree. That um I also think those are the things that develop quickly as the need actually arises. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um what so let's talk about HR stuff real fast and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll wrap this up. Yeah. But um one of the things we have to be careful as employers is what do we say to our people? And there's obviously much more of a big deal when we're trying to hire people. But yeah. if you are trying to hire people because you say, hey, we're short staffed. Yeah. we're trying to hire. Uh, yeah. You may be tempted to say, great. We're super excited about maybe having you here and the possibility. Do you have any kids? What ages are they? Uh, does your spouse work? Um and I think all of us understand why an employer would want to ask that in a totally altruistic, you know, I just need to understand because coverage is is so important and we're trying to figure things out to support our people. Uh, I understand why we would want to ask that. That's a no-no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so glad that you used those ones because um, when we were talking about this, this is something that historically we absolutely suck at in BetMed um is understanding the legal requirements and I have seen so many interviews where so many illegal things have been asked very innocently like we exist in a family environment in veterinary medicine in a lot of practices and so we want to get to our to know our people but I personally have been interviewed um by by a hospital where I was asked um if I if I plan to get pregnant like if I wanted to have a family And this was before, obviously before I have kids. Um, but, but like, I mean, that is a giant legal red flag, HR nightmare kind of question to ask. It was asked with great intentions because this was a practice that had a very family vibe. There was there, everybody had kids. They enjoyed doing things together as families outside of the practice. They were asking it with good intentions but it made it no less illegal for them to ask me that question. And so I think you're totally right when you're, when we're thinking about interviewing new team members, some things to know for sure that you cannot ask are the questions that you ask: do you have kids? I'm asking them about if they do have kids, uh, how old are they Um, asking what kind of childcare arrangements they have in place. We cannot ask that during the interview process. Asking if their spouse works, what their spouse does for a living, trying to ferret out whether their spouse maybe is going to be flexible to pick up the slack. Those are all big, giant no-nos. However, you can ask questions that can get you the same kind of information without crossing the legal boundaries. So instead of asking them if they have childcare arrangements in place or what kind of childcare arrangements, we can ask them what days and shifts can they work? We can also ask them if there's anything that could impact their ability to work, any of our available shifts that we offer. So if they have a daycare situation where their daycare is closed on Wednesdays or they take a holiday the first Friday of every month or whatever it is, and we say, is there anything that could impact your ability to work, our our scheduled shifts, which are Monday through Friday from 8 to 6. Um, they have the ability to disclose that information without you having uh, discriminated against them potentially as a parent or from a gender perspective by asking them if they have kids and what their childcare arrangements are going to
0: be. Right. Cool. Good points. All right.
1: Um, and then I think the other really, really important thing is, no matter what we're asking and how we're asking it, whether it's from a interview perspective, or whether it comes down to the team we already have. We have a lot more flexibility, what we ask them and how we ask it. But the very important point that everybody has to be aware of is that we have to be asking everyone the same things. We cannot apply the rules or questions to people um, in a biased manner. So I Mm -hmm. can't ask female interview uh, applicants different questions that I would ask my male applicants just the same as I can't ask female members of my team questions that I wouldn't ask of the males because I'm going to presume potentially that females are the caregivers and males are not. Like There's a whole lot of um, bias and discrimination that lies in there. And so the best practice from whether you're talking about asking questions to um, applying policies like how do people work from home, you have to think about it from a reason neutral perspective like it can't be biased
0: yeah nope I agree cool all right we are over on time I think that was good I hope that that got people thinking feeling better about the conversations they're having I hope it makes people feel just better in general about accepting that we can't be all the things and these are unprecedented times and we all need help Mm -hmm. you got any last stuff to add
1: no, we see you, we hear you guys. We we are there ourselves.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's big and it's scary. And the biggest thing I have to say is give yourself grace, give your teams grace. I, you know, I I was dreading having this conversation and had avoided it. Like I said, I actually have a, a new boss at work. Um, is someone that I don't know very well. I mean, I have worked with them for a while, but very casually. I was terrified of having this conversation and I was blown away by how graceful um, they handled the conversation. And they were just like, look, you know, obviously if you're going to have to go part time or you're going to have to leave altogether, knowing that sooner rather than later is significantly (laughs) helpful. However, like I, I totally understand and we will do whatever we can to help make this, make work be as painless as possible in terms of your decision-making in terms of this process. And it was so, for me, it was just like exactly what we just talked about in terms of an opportunity to be a bright, shining example Mm -hmm. for our teams in terms of uh, our positions as employers. Because you know, I was expecting it to go completely the opposite direction. And it was amazing to feel like I I felt seen and heard. And so this is our opportunity as employers to provide that for our teams. It's our opportunity as team members to provide that kind of support for our other team members, whether we have kids, they have kids or not. Um, You know, I think it's just, we're all in uncertain times and being honest about where we're at. And having the hard conversations, um, it, it's, it's time to get real and we see you guys and we, we, we feel that. So
0: yeah, cool.
1: I hope it was helpful.
0: Yeah. All right, guys, everybody have a good week. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you later on.
1: Take care guys.
0: And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you got something out of it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it didn't freak you out. That's not the point. It's just to start thinking about these things and talking about these things. No, you're not alone. This too shall pass. Look, here's what I think is going to happen. I think that there's going to be a lot of anxiety right before school starts uh, because there's not a lot of planning going on. And then I think uh, when school starts back, I think that there's going to be a lot of chaos. There's a lot of things that is not going to work and uh, teachers are going to try things and they're going to fail. But, but... It will not be long until we figure things out, and there will be a new normalcy, and it will be back. So, plan on some stress, plan on being accommodating, be flexible with your people, be flexible and gentle with yourself. This too shall pass. Everything's going to be fine. Hold on. Reach out if you need help. You can always find us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Guys, take care. Be well. Bye.